And good evening, Hampton Roads. Welcome to another edition of Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. I'm certified financial planner Kevin Zivna, alongside me as usual, CFP, Allison DeBrill. Together we come to you live every second and fourth Tuesday of the month to dialogue with you, take your calls. If you have a question or comment relating to your personal financial situation, then we'd love to hear from you. All we need is your first name, city you're calling from, and no matter what Allison and I are talking about, if it's important to you, then it's important to us. We'll get you right on air. 627-7979. That's 627-7979. Wealthway Financial Advisors is the proud sponsor of Dollars and Common Sense. We are an independent registered investment advisor, which means we're legally held to a fiduciary standard to put our client's interest ahead of our own in any business dealing. That's the way it should be when you work with a financial advisor. As the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. And so by design, we can't work with everybody. We work with a relatively small group of high net worth individuals, but that's one of the reasons we feel so strongly about coming here every second and fourth Tuesday at 6 p.m. That's to reach out and help as many people in the Hampton Roads listening area that we can achieve your measure of financial success because it is a core belief at Wealthway Advisors that the overwhelming majority of people in this country have the opportunity for financial security if they choose it. And it is a choice because it takes some time, it takes some effort, and it takes some knowledge. We are here to help. You got to take that first step, though. Pick up the phone, give us a call, 627 7979. Whether you want to talk about anything having to do with the investment markets, which have been lively lately, the economy, uh, insurance products, life insurance, health insurance, property casualty, taxes, tax planning, tax reduction strategies, retirement planning, retirement plans, 401ks, 43Bs. 457, TSP, mortgage options, social security claiming strategies, or estate planning, wills and trusts. All that and more falls under the umbrella of personal finance. We are here to discuss tonight, 627-7979. Good evening, Allison. Good evening. We had plans to talk about long-term care planning today. We like to keep this show Focused on financial planning topics, we haven't talked about long-term care planning in quite a while. It's something that we address with all of our clients on a regular basis, so we will jump into that. But first, we thought we better acknowledge the markets. The elephant in the room. Thank you. Yes, the (laughs) elephant in the room. You mean the bear. The bear in the room. Right. Good one. Uh, So yes, there is now a bear in the room. It's official, uh, according to the S&P 500 anyway. We have declined greater than 20%, which is the general terminology for a bear market, down about 22% from its all-time high in early January to today. So uh, that has some nerves rattled, understandably. Um, We're not going to belabor this. We talked about it extensively our last show, which uh, you can go back and listen to. Uh, We have a copy on our website, Wealthway Advisors. We always put our last uh, four or five shows. They're actually, uh, now we're kind of keeping up up there long term. So we can go back a little bit further now. All right. We have the last five, six shows anyway. But you can get our last show, which we talked about bear market, what it's like, what what causes it, uh, what you can do about it. 
Um, so you can go back and listen to that if you want to, uh, wealthwayadvisors.com. I will say this, a little something that we put into our newsletter um, that just went out uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, when it comes to a bear market, for our clients and for people who are accumulators, who are still working, who are still investing, who are still saving regularly, who are still contributing to their company-sponsored retirement plan, these are the times we cheer. This is, you know, buying low. You know, the the trite investment saying, buy low, sell high. <laughs> Anyone can do it so easy. <laughs> Well, this is what buying low feels like. So if you're still contributing to an investment plan, keep going. This is buying low. These are the times when you look back two to three years from now, you wish you bought more. So don't stop doing that just because prices uh, of stocks and mutual funds and exchange rate funds have declined. No, this is the time to be greedy. They're on sale. When others are fearful. Yes. So this is where the big money gets made by those who have a plan, a system, and the courage to keep acting on it. Now, those who are in the distribution phase of life and are now living off their nest egg and taking income or distributions from their IRAs and 401ks and using that to supplement their lifestyle um, and have the majority of it invested in a growth-oriented portfolio, there's, this is, a little, this is a, a little bit t- a time for a little bit more concern um, because when your portfolio declines – 10, 15, 20, 25 percent, and you keep taking out the same dollar amount, well, that dollar amount becomes a larger percentage. And when the inevitable recovery happens, then there isn't as much there to recover. So that's why from a di- people who are in a distribution phase, you should already have a plan in place because bear markets are inevitable. And they are nothing to be overly fearful about. The only reason why people, well, one of the big reasons why people panic and do the wrong thing at the wrong time and sell out when their investments decline is because they don't have a plan. They don't have a strategy. They don't, they don't account for this to happen. They think they're going to be able to avoid it. Like, oh, don't read the tea leaves, and oh, I can see it's coming. I'm going to sell out, and and then I'll I'll buy in lower. No, no, you're not going to do that. No one can do that regularly. One person somewhere on the planet might get lucky. I will concede with that. But no one can do it with any consistency. So what we like to do in our practice for clients who are in their distribution phase is instead of having a three- to six-month emergency fund built up in the bank account like we normally recommend for people who are accumulators, we already have them pre-fund their bank account with, say, one to two years of monthly expenses to uh, draw upon in the event that the inevitable occasional significant market decline is deep enough or is long enough, and then we purposefully reduce or temporarily suspend the amount that they're withdrawing from their investment portfolio and then have them purposefully draw down on their bank account because we've already pre-funded it, and that way their lifestyle never misses a beat and you can sleep 
easy at night knowing that you have a, a sufficient cushion built up. And then when the inevitable market recovery comes, whenever it comes, then we replenish the bank account. And that way, you keep your money invested for growth, so you enjoy long-term growth rates, but you have an ample cushion so that in times of market distress, you have the backup plan already in place, and so all you have to do is execute on it. And so that's just one example of how we manage through the occasional temporary market pullback and then get to enjoy the long-run growth rates that come with the inevitable recovery. And I don't know if we need to say much more about bear markets in this show. Okay. All right. Um, unless somebody wants to talk about it and we can help talk you off the ledge if you're feeling, you know, a, a little shaky about everything. But um, know that if you're an accumulator, great time to buy. If you're in the distribution phase, uh, have a backup plan, work with an advisor. Should already pre-plan for this anyway because they're inevitable. All right. All right, so on to more financial planning-related topics. Like I said at the top of the show, we wanted to talk about long-term care planning. We have uh, more and more people where this is becoming a need in their lives, whether that's um, they need care or assistance themselves, or they have family members, loved ones that are getting to the point where they need care. So this is something that we look at on an ongoing basis for all of our clients. It's really challenging. I think it's one of the more most challenging things to plan for because you could need no long care, long-term care, or you could need years and years of long-term care, and nobody really knows. It's quite difficult to predict, and the cost can be so high. So it really can impact your financial situation. So we want to talk about some strategies to on how to plan for long-term care, really what your options are if you need long-term care. And I guess we'll start by saying, what does long-term care mean? How do I know if I need long-term care? What we're really talking about is help with activities of daily living. So that's things like eating on your own, dressing, bathing, toileting, transferring, so getting around, and it could be cognitive issues for those with dementia. If you need help with, it's usually two or three or two or more of those activities of daily living, that's where long-term care kicks in. So we're not talking medical care, health care. It's help with activities of daily living. And that's where people get confused. Sometimes people think they're all set because they've got Medicare and it covers health care expenses. Mm -hmm. This is different. Right. The Medicare covers medical care, but long-term care is a subset of that, which is less, I guess, I don't know, technically oriented. It's less medically oriented and more maintenance oriented. Um, so it doesn't qualify, except for some in very finite, specific instances, Medicare does not pay for long-term care. And if it does pay, it's only, it only pays for a brief window, like a few months. So really, long-term care, which can be expensive, um, you're generally left to your own devices to figure out how you're going to pay for it. And we do have some you know, options to talk about here. 
um, um, what what is available to you and some some of the things you might want to do to help make it easier. But before we get into that, we're going to have to take a short break. We're going to be right back up after these messages. If you want to jump in on this conversation or talk about anything having to do with your financial situation, give us a call in studio line 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. We're talking about long-term care planning tonight. The fact that long-term care is not the same as health care or medical care. Sometimes it can mean that, but it's really the need of help with activities of daily living like eating, bathing, dressing, transferring, and such. And it's very difficult to plan for because you don't know if you'll ever need a day in your life or if you'll need multiple years. And I think a lot of people think, well, it's not going to happen to me. But statistically speaking, there is a high probability that you will need some sort of assistance at some point in your life. In fact, there's a 64% chance if you're a male, that you'll need some sort of assistance with activities of daily living during your life, and a 75% chance if you're a female that you'll need some sort of assistance. So women are more likely to require care. I think that's because we are superior, we live longer, and so then, you know, towards the end, the men can't hang with us anymore, and we have no one to take care of us, so we need care. What do you think about that? Well, that's a theory, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, no, but actually, I think there's a lot of truth to it. Um, typically, um, men are cared for by their spouse, by their wife. Um, and men do tend to die before uh, females. Why? Because we want to. <laughs> I knew you were going to come <laughs> back with that. But but regardless, and then, then the the woman, the wife, is usually left on her own, and so that care then needs to come from an outside source, whether that's another family member or in-home health care or assisted living facility where the man is getting the care but in-home by his spouse. So that doesn't you know, really register as another form of care. Care, right, know? yeah. So there can be certainly informal care, but uh, statistically if you need – care, it is you're more likely that you'll end up needing some sort of nursing home care or uh, paid in-home care. Assisted living is really underused. I was actually surprised mm -hmm. when I was looking at the statistics mm -hmm. about only 3 to 6% of people ever live in assisted living. So it sounds like most people are trying to get care in-home, and then if it gets to the point where they can't have care in-home, they're going to the full-time nursing home care. Right. Well, but we should we should mention, I mean, there are a lot more 
care facilities coming into the marketplace that are much more accessible with a lot of uh, activities, vibrancy. Um, you know, one of the things I think that gets overlooked with people who want to stay in their own home for as long as they can, which I understand, but what gets overlooked is the lack of connection that you can have especially when you're the remaining spouse, um, that you're alone a lot of the time. And one thing that we have seen firsthand in practice, and I think the medical community can back this up, is that without stimulation, without activities, without uh, people and talking and learning and all the things that go on in um, a nice, vibrant community, we tend to decline even faster. So while it sounds like a good idea to want to stay in the home, sometimes the outside community can even be better for your health. Well, you know I can't wait to move in. Yeah, well, I talk I, about that all the time. Uh, I yeah. can't wait to go into one of those con- life care <laughs> communities, continuing care communities. They've got restaurants. They've got salons. They've got bars. They've got you know activities, <laughs> trips, buses. They, they put you on a bus, go yeah. to a show. You have as much a drink as you want. Get back on the bus. It's like college. Someone to eat, uh, cook for you, clean. <laughs> right. I'm in. Yeah. I don't know why everybody doesn't want that. <laughs> But yes, uh, social interaction, being socially connected with other people's people actually does greatly influence life expectancy. The research is pretty clear on that. So it is something to consider. It's also something to consider um, whether being in home will be a burden on your family or loved ones or if your home is equipped properly and you have the right supports because if you don't have a plan in place then it can be it can become quite a crisis for all of the family mm-hmm. members involved and we've seen that yeah a statistic that was a surprise to me is that the main provider of unpaid elder care so usually a friend family member a relative um, who who volunteers to help out an, an aging parent um, the primary caregiver is actually not the spouse. The primary caregiver is an adult child. I was surprised by that too. 51% of elder care is provided by an adult child. And I would say um, that one of the things we hear most from our clients when we bring this topic up is, well, I just don't wanna be a burden on my children. Mm -hmm. Right? Said over and over very repeatedly, yet, Who is providing the most care to their adult parents? It's an adult child. So what people say and then what actually happens, there's some sort of dichotomy going on there nationally. I'm not saying in the microcosm of our practice or what have you. But uh, usually people don't want to be a burden on their children, yet one of their children ends up being a primary caregiver. So um, that's interesting, and it's something for the adult children to be aware of that they may be called upon to help out mom or dad. Mm-hmm. Which can be life-changing for everyone. Yeah, right, which is a huge commitment. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So we talked about your chances of needing care and kind of the type of care that we typically see and the care that is provided. Uh, The duration is something that we want to talk about as well. We'll get into how long you might need care, how much it might cost, and how you can pay for it. Yeah, so if you have a question about long-term care or you got some concerns about the uh, current state of the investment markets that we can help you talk through, Jump on the phone lines. Give us a call in the studio, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. Listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM 790 WNIS. Welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, look us up online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Just go to the contact page, put your name and address in the dialog box, select the appropriate drop-down menu, and we'll get that information out to you later on this week. And that's all we will use your name and address for is just to send you the information that you request. Or if you have some nuanced questions, want to speak to a live human being, go ahead and give us a call at the office, 456-2200. Also, as we said early in the show, um, we did uh, our last radio show was uh, about the uh, a bear market and what to do about it and how to manage your Uh, some tips to help you manage yourself through it. So if you want to brush up on that and hear that show, we have our last uh, five or six shows on our website at WealthwayAdvisors.com. Our next live show will be in two weeks on Tuesday, June 28th at 6 p.m. as usual. But if you can't catch us live every second, fourth Tuesday of the month, then you can get this show as a podcast. Search for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Download us. Take us with you wherever you go. Tonight we've been talking about long-term care planning. What happens if you need it? What are your chances of needing it? When might it happen? How long might it last? How much it might cost? And how to pay for it? A lot of unknowns to tackle. So it is a very challenging thing to plan for. But it is something that you should plan for. Otherwise, you may end up being, I hate to say being a burden, but causing some less than ideal situations for yourself and your loved ones who would probably try to step in and care for you. And while there certainly is insurance to help defer or defray the cost of long-term care, Um, If you have a long enough runway, if you have enough time, and you dedicate yourself to the financial planning process um, properly, then we find, at least in our practice, we can help people uh, with a high degree of confidence Mm self-fund a lot of the options of long-term care. Because Allison's saying it it really it can the range of outcomes is vast. It's from zero dollars to well hundreds of thousands potentially million 
worth of dollars in long-term care. Somewhere in the middle there um, lies the, the planning strategies, and with enough time and enough planning, uh, most people uh, usually can handle that. Before we get into some of those details, we do have a caller on the line, and we're going to run out to Chesapeake right now and speak with George. Good evening, George. You're on Dollars and Common Sense. I are enjoying the program, really am. This is way off topic, but it just came to mind, and I know you know the answer to this. I'll be turning 72 on the 26th of this month, so I know I have to have RMDs from my IRAs. It's a, how does that work? How, how do I do that? Good question, George. So you have an IRA, uh, just one IRA, or do you have multiple IRAs and 401ks and retirement accounts? Yeah, I, I have multiple retirement accounts, but two IRAs. Two IRAs. Okay, any 401k plans? No. No. Are you still working, George? Um, yes, uh, but I'm working part-time. I'm kind of semi-retired. So. Okay. Well, you are right. Once you turn 72, congratulations. Now you have to start withdrawing from your tax-protected IRA accounts. And it is calculated each year based on the account balance as of December 31st of the prior year. So for you, that would be December 31st of uh, 2021, the account balance. And then there's a, a table. It's a percentage based on how old you are. And that will tell you the amount that has to come out of each IRA, and it will be taxed as ordinary income. But it's up to you what you want to do with that money. You can spend it. You can reinvest it in another investment account, or you can donate it directly to charity from the IRA if you are charitably inclined. Yes. Okay. Like I said, I know this is off topic, but I knew that you would know, and it just popped in my mind, and I thought I would ask you. So thank you very, very much. Yeah. So, George, just know that nowadays uh, most of the custodians, we would call them, or the people who house your IRAs or 401K plans, retirement plans, they're pretty adept now at sending you proactively, proactively sending you letters to inform you about that you have to do something, you have to take action. But ultimately, it is your responsibility or the taxpayer's responsibility to ensure that the appropriate dollar amount comes out of each IRA account or tax-qualified uh, account. So just know that that's on you. You have to take some action. The amount of the withdrawal is about 3.6% of the total of all your IRA accounts. Um and you have to do it by December 31st of this year, 2022. And if you don't do it, then the penalty is hefty. It's half of what you should have taken out. So just be on, on guard, okay? Oh, no. I will do that. I'll call them tomorrow. But, yeah, I thought they would, you know, had contacted me. is like, hey, you need to do these RMDs, but they haven't. So I'll call them tomorrow, and I really appreciate your help. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, George, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 627-7979. Yeah, there is a little bit of a grace period, a, a technicality, that if, if you're just turning 72 this year, you actually have until – April 15th of next year to take the required minimum distribution, but we typically don't advise doing that unless there's some special circumstance because then you'd have to take your first 
required minimum distribution next year and next year's required minimum distribution. Yeah, that grace period only applies to the first year that you are required to take them out. After that, then you're on the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, back to long-term care. So we're talking about people who need help with activities of daily living. It, there's a high probability that you will at some point need this assistance. So what does it cost? In our area, and Virginia is about average. I looked at all the numbers um, across the country. We're about average, specifically in the Hampton Roads area. If you are looking for some part-time home services, so maybe you need someone to cook meals or help you run errands, things like that, it could be on average about five, four or $5,000 a month. If you need assisted living, that could also be around four to $5,000 a month. But when you get into around-the-clock care in home, that's where the numbers really add up. That can be upwards of ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars a month for round-the-clock in-home care, and that's when going into a nursing community or retirement community may actually make more sense because depending on your medical issues and the level of care you may need, that could be a little bit less than in-home care. So it could be maybe eight to $10,000 a month, depending mm-hmm. on your needs. And like we talked earlier, I know most people tend to want to stay in their own home for as long as possible. Um, but consider the fact that if you aren't getting regular in-home care, either through family, friends, uh, neighbors, or professionally through uh, a, a company that specializes in in-home care. We do, uh, and we've been dealing with uh, some si- situations where, you know, usually getting out of your own house and getting into a care facility with professional treatment, with professional, um, you know, medical uh, providers who can make sure you take your medicine on time, make sure you uh you know eat well you eat in timely fashion uh, and have a community there of other people to engage with and interact with can actually enhance people's health at that stage of their life we've yeah we've seen people that have been uh, not doing so well and have actually improved greatly from mm-hmm. getting into a place where there's consistency and right. and the proper care and assistance now we will say that typically like a lot of things in life, you know, the more you pay, the the better the quality. So um, while the payer of – we all have a payer of last resort when it comes to long-term care, and that's Medicaid, not Medicare. Medicaid uh, is the payer of last res- resort, but that's like uh, health care welfare in a sense, and you have to – qualify for Medicaid by spending down your assets or having little to no assets to be able to spend on your own care, and then the state will provide a bed for you somewhere. But you don't have as much choice, and the quality of care is typically not uh, as good. But just know that that option is there. 
Right. So if you are in the situation where you don't have much of a nest egg or enough income to pay for your own care, there is a backstop. Medicaid will kick in and you will get care. Mm -hmm. Like we already mentioned earlier, a lot of our clients can self-fund. And it's I think when you read the articles about long-term care, see the headlines and the the big dollars, it can be really intimidating. But it is not impossible to self-fund. It can It can reasonably be done if you start early and you follow a long-term plan and, I think, work with a financial advisor, you're more likely to be successful in that. Yeah, and by early, we don't mean in your 20s either. Um, You know, typical retirement age for the average American, if we're in our mid-60s, you know, most of us are going to have another third of our life ahead of us. So with life expectancies being what they are, you're probably looking at another 20 to 30 years of life expectancy. And it's, you know, the, the final years of our life where the, the, the care need usually comes in. So that still gives you another several decades to work towards building and savings uh, to, you know, provide for some level of long-term care. Now for, so for some people, they can self-fund. There are some people that decide they don't want to self-fund because they want to make sure that they leave a certain amount of inheritance or legacy for their children. So those people might choose to use insurance or people that maybe didn't quite build up enough assets to completely self-fund. There could be cases where insurance might be appropriate for someone in that situation. And there are different types of insurance. So originally, early on, it was like car insurance. Like you just paid your premium every month for as long as you lived. And if you never needed a day of care, that money was just gone. It was just, I guess, an expense you paid for peace of mind. Well, that doesn't really, it's not very attractive to a lot of people anymore. They're like, I don't want to pay for something for years and years, and then if I don't need it, it's just gone. So insurance companies developed another type of policy where it's really like a life insurance policy that has a long-term care insurance component to it. So you pay into this insurance policy. It will cover some long-term care expenses if you need them. If you never need long-term care, then there's a death benefit that goes to your heirs. And people like that type of insurance typically a, a lot more because then it's not use or lose. There's somebody's going to get some benefit somewhere, but it certainly comes at a cost. And you would need to weigh the cost of paying those premiums against how much benefit you would eventually get uh, one way or the other. And for a lot of people, they cobble together. Uh, a variety of options to make sure that mom or dad have some form of decent long-term care. So that, you know, we've already talked about some of these, you know, family, you know, family of friends checking in for a little while, just making sure everything's okay. They got groceries, they're eating okay. Uh, you got your own savings that you can use to help pay for some in t- in-home care. You've got, some, you got insurance as an option for those people where it's appropriate. There are the uh, continuing care communities that we talked about earlier where you move in healthy. 
Uh, it's like a condo. There are several of them here in Hampton Roads. Um, a lot of activities. Uh, they provide food. They provide entertainment. And then as you age, there's also a long-term care facility attached to it where you can so you can age in place and get care uh, at the same community. And the last thing we didn't talk about as a way to pay for it is home equity, um, where a lot of people, typically you are either going to sell your house if you move to a continuing care type of community or a nursing home, or a reverse mortgage is a very viable option nowadays to extract the equity from your home and use that cash to help pay for long-term care, whether that's in-home or another facility as well. All right, we're going to stop right here, take a short break, and we're going to be right back at these messages. If you have a question, comment relating to long-term care or anything having to do with your personal financial situation, give us a call, 627-7979. She's Allison. I'm Kevin. You're listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. And welcome back to Dollars and Common Sense, your local source for objective, unbiased financial advice. Alongside certified financial planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. We're from Wealthway Financial Advisors, the premier financial planning firm in Hampton Roads, where we integrate expert investment management with customized ongoing financial planning advice to help our clients answer life's big financial questions and enhance their quality of life. For more information about us, check us out online at wealthwayadvisors.com. Once there, you can request an information packet to find out what it's like to work with us or sign up for a free quarterly newsletter at wealthwayadvisors.com. You can also get this show as a podcast by searching for Dollars in Common Sense wherever you get your podcast. Then you can download us, take us with you wherever you go, listen on your own schedule, And for those of you who are into social media, we are on Facebook and LinkedIn. So search for Dollars in Common Sense. um, No, search for Wealthway Financial Advisors uh, on Facebook or LinkedIn. Click the like button and we'll be friends. Yes, we'll be friends. We've been talking about long-term care planning tonight. Long-term care, different than health care in some respects, because it's more to do with activities of daily living, like can you feed yourself? Can you bathe yourself? Can you get around? Um, but it is something that needs to be planned for. And oftentimes when we bring this up with our clients, they say, oh, well, I've looked into long-term care insurance and I, I, don't, I don't think I want long-term care insurance. You don't need insurance necessarily to pay for long-term care. We're first and foremost talking about what are the costs and what are the chances that you would need some sort of care and then how do you pay for it? So it could be that you get care and home from your family. It could be that you have enough savings to self-pay for care and that we see that more and more often that people do have enough to pay for average care needs. Um, sometimes insurance might be needed, but we we don't typically use insurance to insure 100% of possible costs because we don't have any idea what a person is going to need. They may need none. They may need extensive care. So insurance 
can be used in combination with income and savings to to bring a solution to the table. Right. And keep in mind, as long as you're drawing a breath, you're drawing a check from at least Social Security and many people in this area, probably a pension from the federal government as well. So, And also some state employees who are getting uh, pension payments from VRS. So as long as you're alive, you're receiving those income sources, and that income will go uh, a fair amount of the ways to help pay for long-term care. And that's why we don't try to insure 100% of long-term care. And, and, and if you're working with insurance agents that is trying to sell you 100%, be wary because you typically don't need that. The insurance is a subsidy to help pay for long-term care if it becomes necessary. And we wanted to go back to the the other side of the equation. If you don't have enough assets to pay for care, if your in uh, long-term care insurance is just not cost-effective for you and you end up spending through your savings, Medicaid is the backstop that we all have for long-term care services. Um, but we just wanted to, to mention that you often hear, probably hear about elder law work or Medicaid planning. And that uh, is something that most people, a lot of people think they, they need, that you have to do Medicaid planning to plan for long-term care. And that's not exactly the case. Right. And there are strategies that one can legally use to start to transfer assets away from yourself so that you then become Medicaid eligible according to state guidelines. Uh, in doing so, it's uh, rather complex. Um, there is a long look back period. I think it's uh, five years now. Uh, so if you try to transfer away from yourself to a family member to, you know, get it out of your ownership and then it, make it appear as if you are destitute and therefore qualify for Medicaid, uh, there's a long window there that you have to start planning for. And regardless, as you might be able to tell from my voice, I have some ethical concerns uh, of doing so. Medicaid is taxpayer-funded welfare for medical expenses. So we all have that safety net. I think it should be used for people who really need that safety net, not for people who are trying to shelter assets and pass them to family members and have the state pick up the tab for their long-term care. But that's my own personal opinion. All right, and we are out of time for tonight, but we will back in two weeks on Tuesday, June 28th at 6 p.m. Uh, check us out online at WealthwayAdvisors.com. For Certified Financial Planner Allison DeBrill, I'm CFP Kevin Zivna. You've been listening to Dollars and Common Sense on AM790 WNIS. Thank you.